right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the KG Flow. Um, this week, I have my old companion pal slash leader, uh, First Lieutenant Andrew Soto. Andrew, say what's up. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> um, so me and uh, Andrew Soto here, or sir, as if I was still in, is what I had to say. Um, we uh, first met back at 2MIG Comstrat. Um, deployed together in uh, back in 2019, and we got stuck during the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, what a time that was. Uh, Andrew, just give a little background yourself, you know, and then go from there. Sure. So as Kenny already said, my name is Andrew Soto. I joined the Marine Corps back in 2004. Uh, I'm going to hit my 19-year mark next month in April. So it's crazy how, how fast the time flies by, but 19 years gone by in a flash. Uh, I started out as an F-18 electrician. I was stationed down in Beaufort, South Carolina, then Virginia Beach and Miramar, California. I got picked up for the commissioning program and uh, commissioned as a lieutenant in January of 2018. I went to school in San Diego since I was already down there at San Diego State. And then uh, from there, I went to TBS for seven months of the most fun I've ever had in my life. I told Kenny about it probably once or twice while we were deployed. And uh, from there, I met Kenny at a two MIG Constrat in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. We deployed to Marone, Spain with the SP MEGTAF Crisis Response Africa in September of 19. Uh, had a good time down there in Spain. We did some traveling, got to go around Europe a little bit, down to Africa a couple of times. And then the COVID pandemic hit on the same month that we were supposed to go home. Yeah. So we were extended three months and ended up getting home in late May or early June of 2020. Uh, I've been down there ever since then. I'm about to uh, PCS or move this summer. I got orders down to Paris Island to be a series commander at boot camp, back where mm. it all started. Mm. Except I was the West Coast guy, so it'll actually be... Uh, back to where all started in the sense that that's where I started my career in Beaufort, South Carolina. So pretty excited about that. Uh, I got a couple of kids uh, about to hit our 13 year mark, married our 13th year anniversary. Uh, actually, in a couple of weeks, I've got to get her something or think of something to do. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, that's that's probably the, the biggest talking points. All right. Yeah. So glad you gave me, uh, gave us like the gist of it. Um, You know, what's funny, dude, like. I hate to admit this, but, you know, even though you're like almost 20 in the military, you still got that. You age like fine wine. So, so <laughs> my a couple of my friends who are girls, you know, look at my old photos of me and you and they're like, who's that? And I'm like, God, yeah, I'm sure they do. What can I say? And I'm, and I'm like, the what secret are, is uh, what? What's the secret? The secret to not letting yourself age in the military is to not stress out over the little things. Just kind of like go with the flow, let it roll off your back. Uh, too many times I, I had met guys that at 30 years old looked like they were 40 or 45. But they were always freaking out about every little thing that at the end of the day, is it's not a big deal. Like you'll be back tomorrow to fix whatever went wrong the day before. You know, that's, you always have another opportunity to, to make things right if, if things don't go the way it's planned and they never go the way that you plan them initially things are always going to take a left turn that's why they always say semper gumby you know you got to be flexible where were you uh to say all this when i was like around like you know toxic and staff ncos bro what? 
What was this? <laughs> well, I feel like I did a pretty good job of protecting you from uh, toxic staff NTOs. I think we were pretty fortunate, though. Uh, we didn't really have, especially in deployment, like it was basically just you and me. You didn't have to really deal with any staff NCOs. No, no, yeah, I care. You, you did, you did hook me up. You did uh, took took care <laughs> of me. Um, that's why I'm just like, damn this. That's why um, I don't know. Like, if I stayed in, if I was still in, I feel like one day, you know. That's why we were called the father-son duo right here. The dynamic duo. Well, you could always, you know, are you done with school yet? Have you finished college? When do you finish college? Uh, end of the, hopefully, end of this year, um, I should get my master's. And I'll be done with Rutgers and school overall. Um, Come back in, man. A master's degree, second lieutenant, you'd be, whew, you'd be the, the hottest thing. So I know I haven't told you this, but I'm keeping my options open. Like, I know I still have, I'm still under IRR until to July, 2024. Um, if, you know, for some reason, like things are kind of bad, like I don't get like a good job in the sports business industry. Like I might go back in, hands down, I'm going back in as an officer. I'm not going back as enlisted because hell no, I don't want to be reserve as sergeant, you know, you know, no offense to all the enlisted scum out there, you know. As some we can people say, that. say. We, were, we were both enlisted at one point. We know how it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, that I don't that, know though. You're looking you're looking a little soft, man. Are you sure you can pass the uh the PFT and the CFT and make it okay. through OCS TBS? Yeah. yeah, I will admit, since I've been out, I've kind of been slacking a little bit on my fitness, but I still go to the gym, you know, like mostly every day. And you know, I've been good at basketball, but like I will come down there and I'll play one v one you and I will win. You know, keep okay, my so keep my receipts. Yeah, but before, I have, before you start, before you start talking up your game, maybe you should tell your listeners what the overall record is or what happened the last time you and I played one on one. Because that was two in years mind ago. that I'm like what ten or ten years older than you, something like that. Listen, yeah, I basketball wasn't my best sport, but I have gone so much better since then. And you know, me and my team actually made the playoffs and we were one round away from the championship so goes to show your mural thing yeah but it goes to show how how far i've come so mm. <laughs> well hey if you can beat me this next time you probably should because i haven't haven't had a chance to play very much especially they shut down the gym for like two years you couldn't play basketball it was ridiculous right yeah <laughs> damn all right so i guess we can go over our first topic andrew um uh, which is the recruiting crisis, as they say, in the uh, in the military, not just the Marine Corps. Uh, I want to know, like, your so I've seen like all over, like you know, social media, TikTok, blah blah blah, and I had like a little glimpse of it right before I got out because I was stationed in Quantico at Recruiting Command. Um, they were struggling. It was like the they were like they could see like the inside of it, like the struggling was going to come when I was there. Um, like, what's your take on that? Like, do you think if we continue down this path, like, are we, it's going to get worse? Do you think it might turn around? Is it going to get better? Like, yeah, what do you got? Well, recruiting and retention is definitely at the forefront of the Marine Corps' minds. And they've really focused on it through uh, one of the Commandant's big uh, priorities over the last year or so, uh, Talent Management 2030. Have you heard about that or have you read up on it at all? Uh, some of it, but not really. Well, right before you got out, 
I think that he, he had already put out force design 2030 and it was how it was all about how the Marine Corps was going to uh, adapt with the times and change to meet uh, our biggest challengers, which is, you know, mostly coming from uh, the Far East. China is like our biggest challenger, right? And so some of the moves that he was going to do to be able to combat that was to get rid of some of our legacy capabilities, some of our uh, heavy hitters like our tanks and uh, our snipers. And maybe he was also going to cut back on the amount of artillery we have, change the numbers of, uh, of active squadrons or the amount of planes in certain squadrons. Just a lot of things to uh, confront the, the challenge of meeting an adversary like China where it's not going to be like in a flat open desert space where, you know, we had been focused for the last 20 years, but more in the littoral sense where it was going to be uh, kind of like, if you think back to World War II and the island hopping campaign, we, he, want, he wants to have smaller teams of Marines that are more mobile, that leave less of a, a heavy footprint that require less log logistical, um, you know, less logistical capability Mm -hmm. to have these smaller teams of Marines be able to uh, basically support themselves and be more mobile and be able to hit targets from farther away while making a smaller target ourselves. So that was, in a nutshell, Force Design 2030. After that, he put out Talent Management 2030, the big focus on uh, recruiting and retention, especially on retention. He wants to be able to hang on to Marines that he already has have already been trained, that have already been invested in, that already had experience and become a more mature force in a sense. So focusing more on getting that first term corporal or sergeant to re-enlist and giving them the option of choosing what kind of orders they want to have, maybe allowing them to lateral move into a different MOS, a different job, um, so that we can maintain our numbers while not having to focus quite as heavily on recruiting, which obviously we want to do. Recruiting is always going to be a very important part of uh, maintaining the Marine Corps' numbers where, where we want them. As to why uh, recruiting is down across the forces, there's a lot of things. Um, right. So number I one, would, probably. Yeah. So I, I was going to say, like, yeah, I think as more we go into peacetime and it's just um, – I think like obviously the new generations like Gen Z and everything like that are be I think they're becoming more aware and like I said this in my last episode where like social media has been has played a huge impact on it is where like you know I think they see the military as like why do I want to join the military when it's like you know it's from my perspective I've been hearing things like it's like super woke now like why do I want to go out there and like you know be in the trenches or you know go die like or like there's like way better things like out there that that's what i'm saying like i i hate to say this but it's like kind of like a little bit true like and again it's just my opinion my perspective but like i feel like this gen z you know newer uh generations are just going to be like soft soft you know just a little like compared to like my time and like back in like you know like around 9 11 and all that so that i think that's why they're like the the recruiting crisis is like such a like it was like a big topic, like the past like year and a half. So, well, it's actually interesting you bring up Gen Z. I just watched the podcast today. It's a barstool sports podcast, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's military focused. Mm -hmm. And the guy conducting the interview was a Marine. He was an infantry guy. I think he was a staff sergeant. By the time he got out, he got 
injured on a deployment or something, but he sat down with the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps, Sergeant Major Black, and he was kind of asking that same question, if the military uh, was softer at this point than when he first came in, or what was the biggest difference in it from when he first came in? And he, uh, Sergeant Major, essentially said that, you know, when he was a young Lance Corporal, he first came in in 1988 and deployed in the Gulf War in 1991. But he said that, you know, he had staff NCOs or um, senior, senior enlisted guys that had been around since Vietnam saying the same thing about his generation of Marines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've probably said something to that effect too when, when I was messing around with you on deployment about how today's Marines were a far cry from the hardcore, hard chargers uh, like me when, when I came in, you know, back in, back in 2004. And what he was getting at was that times change and the culture changes, but with the standards of the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps is always going to be as effective and lethal as it ever was before. And maybe with, uh, you know, with the changes that force design brings, even more so going into the future, you know, the Marine, Marine Corps will always adapt to the times, but it's always going to be, you know, the nation's premier uh, 9-11 force. So going back to the, about the recruiting crisis, uh, like you were getting at also with Gen Z, the, the fact of the matter is, is that I think it's something like 75% of young Americans today don't qualify for military service for a number of reasons, whether it's, um, you know, their mental health or their physical fitness. Um, Maybe it's a drug record or a criminal past. A lot of things that they've done already by the time they're eligible to join that precludes them from service. 75% right off the bat of 18 to 26 year olds, let's say, are not eligible to join. Of that remaining, number of people that are eligible to join, only 10% say they would actually consider military service. And so I guess the Marine Corps and all the services as a whole have to ask themselves, why why is that? Why aren't people as likely to join now? Uh, Some people say, you know, the job market right now is as strong as it's ever been. There's a lot of opportunity out there, especially after the pandemic, uh, a lot of opportunity to work from home, remote or whatever, that's keeping people from joining. Um, Going back to the pandemic, I mean, that change kind of things forever. Uh, so maybe there's also a number of people, and as you know, I went through a situation like this that were hesitant to join or are hesitant to join uh, because of, uh, and I, I I kind of hate to go to, go here already, but the uh, the vaccine requirement, right? COVID-19 vaccine requirement. Yes, for, for those, yeah, for those who don't know, um, First Lieutenant Soto here. Um, so, it's been, you were one of those who did not want to take the vaccine at all because you have obviously your your sources and your beliefs and you have your reasons why you didn't want to take it. Um, but thankfully, like I was happy for you and your family that you were able to stay in, you know, fought through the whole process. I bet that was a hassle. Um, but yeah, like that was like obviously a huge controversy when I was still in. And yeah, um, I mean... I, I applaud you for like at least like sticking to your like you stood up for what you thought you thought was right and um we talked about this like uh I think last time I we I saw you um just you know I think that's just like one of the attributes to your leadership because like you didn't like fall like you thought it was like ethically wrong and you stuck to it and yeah and and you're good now like you're all good with um I'm assuming. 
Well, essentially, yeah. So, you know, as you know, I had to go through kind of like an ad set process where I was had to go to like a, a board and my future was kind of in the hands of the people that were on the panel to decide whether or not I should be allowed to they, stay or not. They read like, my yeah. they read my letter and they were like, damn, we shit, we gotta keep going. <laughs> I'm sure that had something to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but after that, you know, I was recommended for retention. And then in August of last year, the injunction from the Marine Corps came down. Uh, so that kind of halted any separations up to that point. And then, you know, in December, Congress passed the National Defense Authorization Act. And part of that was rescinding the vaccine mandate for all of the armed forces, which the Secretary of Defense uh, sent out a letter January, I think it was January 10th of this year, rescinding that mandate. And then the Marine Corps put out a MARAD a couple of weeks later. So essentially, once I got orders to Paris Island, like I knew I was good, I got a letter from uh, the CG saying that all of the, or not from the CG, maybe it was from the, S, the Commandant's SJA, the uh, Staff Judge Advocate, essentially saying that any kind of negative paperwork against me was uh, being dropped and the case was now considered closed. So I guess this one thing I'm still waiting on is uh, the promotion that I was supposed to get in May of last year. I'm still waiting for that to come through. So that's been kind of annoying. But um, yeah, I think the vaccine mandate and the way they pushed it without, and and you know the message that we got was, hey, it's it's a great thing, it's safe and effective, we should all get it for uh, readiness purposes and, and all these kinds of things, when nobody really knew what it was or what kind of uh, what kind of effects it was gonna have on the force because it had never been, it hadn't, it had, hadn't been put through the proper uh, testing yet, it hadn't been right. studied yet, it hadn't been evaluated yet. Right. So to me, when I heard that and them saying that before it was even required, it just made me like pause and think like, how, how can you know that? When, when there's been no long-term studies on this. And over the last couple of years, we've seen now, well, hey, it wasn't so good at stopping it. It wasn't good at preventing transmission. Um, maybe there's all these secondary side effects, which there's plenty of evidence of if people actually uh, want to believe it or not, it's kind of on uh, up to them. But so much has come out since then um, that made it seem like maybe it wasn't such a great idea after all. Right. And so, uh, the, the biggest part, the biggest portion of the population that didn't want to get it happens to be the largest pool that the Marine Corps and the armed forces in general draws from, which are young people from, you know, from the South, from the Southeastern states, the Bible Belt, if you will. They were the ones that were most hesitant to get it and also the ones that are most likely to join, you know, those, those uh, country boys and girls that grow up uh, uh, shooting, you know, rifles and BB guns and, and working outside. Like those are the ones that kind of got turned off by it, I think. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And I just want everybody to know that like this, like, so you would say you are in your political view, a Republican, correct? I'm a conservative. Yeah. Or conservative. Yeah. So, and Republican, but also libertarian, like, and that was another big issue for me with this mandate uh gotcha. i didn't think that it was right for them to put an experimental drug into my body against my choice with ingredients that don't fall in line with my you know religious beliefs I, and yep i got you I and got the you. fact that it yeah yeah i know but just so just so people can have an, an understanding of where i was coming from um you know the first the very first amendment of the constitution protects freedom of speech but it also protects your freedom to practice your religion the way you see fit. And when you read the First Amendment, that freedom of religion is listed before the freedom of speech. So that's that was the most important thing at the forefront of our 
forefathers' minds was protecting that that uh, liberty to be able to practice religion the way you see fit and to be able to maintain your liberty of conscience. So for me, it was a freedom thing. It was a religious thing. It was a scientific thing. There's just too many things that when when I when this whole thing came out, I was like, that doesn't align with anything that I that I believe in or that I that I stand up for. Right. You know, especially as an officer where you where you put up your right hand and you take that oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Like, yeah, I, I'm I, not I, doing that if I'm not speaking up. I, I just got doing my job as an officer. I just gotta say, I miss all this like this whole uh, your whole like <laughs> speech about you don't think about becoming like a politician after you get out. I think you should. Uh, I don't think I would be a good politician because politicians, large in large part, are bought by bought and paid for by large corporations like pharmaceutical corporations. So I I don't think I'd be a good fit there. <laughs> I I hear you. All right. But no, I was just I was just saying how like you know you got. I just wanted to, to put in this per- perspective that even though you are like you know your side of the whole politics spectrum, and you know my side, like I'm you know I call like we had these <laughs> arguments and uh discussions back when we were deployed like i'm democrat and whatever and even though we were dis- disagree on some things um i just always love with our professional relationship that me and you can just like be like all right you see your thing i got my thing but at the end i got your back you got my back and we're still like work together we were like like you said we're a dynamic duo on that deployment and uh like and i'm just glad i'm happy glad to you know, even though there's some things I disagree with you, it's still happy that you're still one of the close people uh, that I work with, you know, as my friends, my life impacted me forever. So just so for so like my message like to out to people out there is like, even though there's like some people you disagree with, you argue, you know, blah, blah, blah. Just can you just like forget about that for one freaking second and just like just cooperate, like work like that's the point. So that was my two cents. No, yeah, for sure. And like you said, like we might disagree on some social issues or the best way to take care of uh, certain, you know, things that that are at the forefront of people's minds, whether it be uh, homelessness or racism or or whatever the case. Like at the end of the day, we're, we're still human beings and we want to be able to live and work and get along with each other and not be at each other's throats. And so, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. setting aside, setting aside like the, the the talking points and the and the themes and messages of whatever issue it is we're talking about, at the end of the day, we still got to treat each other with respect, um, even if you know, even if your ideas or my ideas don't don't uh, uh, jive together. You know, we're still boys. We're still gonna work hard and get done what we need to get done. You know, mm-hmm. accomplish the mission, as they say. And uh, uh, so yeah. it's good to have th- those things to talk about at the end of the day when, when there's nothing else to do. Oh, man. Yeah, that's why that's why you were one of the best leaders I've ever had when I was in the Marine Corps. You know, just, again, blessed that I had you. Um, yeah, so so just like, you know, going off like a little bit now from the whole serious topic. Um, uh, you know, t- how about them chiefs, though? Yeah, well, I, I I've been trying to tell you since I met you back in 2019, uh, the NFL is basically going to be the Chiefs' doormat until Patrick Mahomes decides that he wants to call it a career. 
you asked me earlier whether or not I was nervous during the Super Bowl. And I mean, honestly, not really. As long as we got Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, I don't really think there's any kind of deficit that is too big for them to, you know, overcome. You know, you know the Dolphins yeah. just got Jalen Ramsey, right? That's great. I've uh, go go back to last year and look at all the times Jalen Ramsey got cooked. He got cooked, especially even even against Kansas City, that boy got cooked. He still he still made he, all he still made Al Pro. Yeah, that's great. But who's your quarterback? A quarterback who has had problems. Quarterback. Two, who, two, uh, you, you know, know Tua was you know Tua was in the MVP conversation right next to your boy Pat. He was there. The only reason, listen, the only reason Tua was ever in the MVP conversation or Josh Allen was ever in the MVP conversation is because nobody wants Patrick Mahomes is like old news now. They want the next new thing. That's why they were in such a rush to give it to Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago. Granted, Lamar Jackson had a great season, but now he can't even get a team to sign him. Nobody wants to sign him. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is the MVP. He was the MVP of the year that he won it. Probably should have been the MVP last year. He set a record this year for most shards ever in a season, beating Drew Brees' old record. Uh, he's he's the GOAT. I'm like, I'm sorry. He is the GOAT. Brady is gone. Patrick Mahomes is the king of the NFL. And until somebody proves otherwise, that's just the way it's got to be, you know? Right, and right. I, and I, like, I like Joe Burrow. I like Justin Herbert. The AFC is – I think Aaron Rodgers is going to be on the Jets now. So there's another little oh obstacle God, for that's the Falcons to overcome yeah. next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh who Jimmy G just came to the Raiders. Russell Wilson is burned out. Like I don't know what's going on with Russell. Like it's 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 at, it's Mahomes and then a, a rung below him is Burrow and then a rung below him is like everybody else. All right, all right. We hear you. We hear you. You're a big although, fan. Although uh <laughs> yeah, although Hurts, I mean Hurts surprised me. Hurts was legit in that Super Bowl. They, the Eagles could have won that game. Uh, their defense didn't stop Kansas City one time in the second half, unfortunately for them. And uh, Chiefs scored on every single possession in the second half, which was too much for them to overcome. But Hurts played his butt off. He could have, he could have definitely won that game. Do you know that I put money on the game and I betted that the Chief, I got the Chiefs spread? So you're welcome. Well, yeah. no, you're welcome. I'm sure you were thinking back. What would what would Andrew do in, in this in this situation? <laughs> you would bet Chiefs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's the safest bet you can make right now in sports. Hey, they should have they should have won. What they should have been four or five Super Bowls in because you had the they lost to the Patriots and you lost to to, to Tampa. So so two. Well, the loss of the Patriots. Uh, I I hate to bring this up. D four jumped offside and that loss of the Patriots. Otherwise, Brady had thrown a pick. On that same play, and that game would have been over. Chiefs would have won that Super Bowl against the Rams, against the Bucks a couple of years ago. The whole off, the entire offensive line was injured, so there's not much you can do with that. Mahomes mm. still played his butt off, but he needed like a little bit of help. He had, I don't remember how many plays where he hit receivers in the hands or Tyreek Hill in the helmet in the end zone, and nobody could catch a ball. So that was a, that was a wash. <laughs> and then the one game that he did not play well was that AFC Championship against the Bengals a couple of years ago. He had that terrible second half. Um, and couldn't even get over the Bengals in the regular season either until mm. finally the AFC Championship this last not, year. Not looking but like if, the if I were now, if huh? I were going to bet a hundred dollars today, who's going to win Super Bowl Fifty Eight? Um, bet Kansas City. Mm. Yeah, I, I had to throw in the uh, you know the greatness, but then also the flaws over the years too. The great Kansas City Chiefs, you know. <laughs> 
Well, you know, when when you were when you were the champ, when you were the undeniable best team in the league, you're always going to get everybody's best shot. Everybody treats you as their Super Bowl because most other teams just don't have a realistic shot of making it there. Facts. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. How about them Giants though? Too my second favorite team. Yeah, I saw they signed uh, Darren Waller and paid Daniel Jones forty million dollars a year. Yeah, and, I, know. Uh, I, I don't know how it's going to work out for them. Best of luck to the Giants. Hey, they they started winning once I started working for them, so. Like a good luck charm. I don't know. I mean, Brian Dable is a great is a great head coach. He's also a former Kansas City coach, so he probably got a little bit of that, you know, rubbed off on him when he, before he went to to Buffalo, in New York. But probably. yeah, I, I think for forty million dollars to Daniel Jones, I would have just went and drafted another quarterback or traded for, you know, Carr or Garoppolo or tried to convince Aaron Rodgers to come. I don't. I don't think paying Daniel Jones forty million dollars a year. When he's throwing for what sixteen touchdowns and three thousand yards, fifteen touchdowns. I mean, yeah, that's that's like backup numbers. That's not really a starter, but we'll see. We'll see. We, you never know these days. But um, all right. So, all right, Andrew, our time's kind of twirling down now. Any final remarks? Oh man, uh, you want to point me in a specific direction? Uh, just anything, anything on your mind doesn't matter. Or any anything to uh, the Poscat people. Uh, well, since we started out with the Marine Corps, you know, and it might have sounded like I was a little bit down on the Marine Corps, and for a while I was because I felt like you know I'd given so much to this organization, so much of my life and my time, and I didn't really feel like they were showing me that love back. And uh, and like I said, to to the Marine Corps' detriment, it, they're they're kind of feeling the effects now with the uh, with their recruiting. Although they are meeting they're meeting their retention goals, um, but I would say to anybody who joins, like if the vaccine thing doesn't bother you, it is a it is a great place to get some life experience, and uh, you meet the best friends of your life that you'll that you'll ever have. Uh, Kenny G being here being one of mine. Um, but, you know, I've been on all my stops, you make friends for life. And even if you don't talk to them for months or even years at a time, uh, when you do get the chance to reconnect, it's like it's like no time has passed at all. So I will say that the Marine Corps has been a great blessing on my life. It's been it's treated. It's uh, been, it's been the means that I've provided for my family. And uh, and I do love it. And I will miss it whenever that time comes, uh, probably in the next five years here when I when I finally hang up those boots. But uh you know, Kenny said a lot of nice things about me as far as uh, being a leader and a mentor and all those kinds of things. And Sergeant Major Black said it today in that podcast that I was talking about from Barstool Sports. Number one thing is going to be the people and looking out for the people that work for you. And really, in effect, they don't work for you. You work for them because without them, without Kenny on that deployment, you know, he was the one going out there and getting all the shots that we needed and doing all the interviews. And I was really just kicking back and watching him work and reaping in all the benefits from it. But uh, he was, he was recognized on that deployment uh, more than once by our commanding officer, by uh, visiting uh, senior officers from all over um, for all the outstanding work that he did. So being, being a leader, being a mentor comes down at the end of the day to taking care of your people, looking out for them to giving you know, giving, giving a crap about, about their life and, and asking them, you know, how are things going? Like, what can what can I do to make your job easier? Uh, what can I do to help make us be more successful? 
And uh, that's something that, you know, I, I, I always remember this, this story real quick before our, our time runs out. I was, I checked into my first command. I was a little Lance Corporal and it was our day to clean the heads, clean the bathrooms. And I get in there and I grab a paper towel and some Windex or whatever. And there's a sergeant with a broom sweeping the head. And I was like, wow, this guy's a sergeant. He's a supervisor. He doesn't have to be here, but he's here. So that always stuck with me. Uh, getting getting in there with your guys and uh, showing them that yes you might be the one in charge you might be the one calling the shots but you can also work side by side you're not going to ask them to do something that you're not willing to do yourself so with that thanks Kenny for having me on I appreciate it and uh, anytime you need me to drop some little nuggets of wisdom or marine corpsisms or talk about talk up the chiefs um, I'm I'm here for you of course I know I was coming on you all right thank you Andrew again for your time being on here um. Uh, yeah, just goes to show that even I'm proud to be a you know honorary veteran uh, now, and you know who knows I might go back in, I might not, but we'll see. But I always commend you. Your, thank you for your service. You know, thank you to everyone who like gave their time, you know, their service to defend like I honestly like one of the the best country in like in the whole world. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you've done. You know, not just for me, but for you know for the country, everything. Thank you. Same to you, man. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. Well, tune in next week. Um, you know, give the page a follow, like, do what you got to do, and uh, see you next time.